Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Roners, great job last night in your Tower draft here. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good team. I'm usually happy when I finish a draft and... Obviously, it's uh, one piece of the puzzle because we all go back, look at drafts in the previous years, and by the time the season ends, uh, a lot of your team is different. So as long as you could hit on some core players and work around that with some trades or working the waiver wire, should be able to be in contention. Yeah, so let's take a look at your draft last night. So as, of, as expected, Mike Trout goes one. You take Mookie Betts two. And then for the first round, for people out there, Jose Ramirez goes three. Bryce Harper, four. Yelich, five. Judge, six. Uh, that happens out of mainly because of, oh, it's an OBP league. So those are good picks here, right? Yeah. I mean, Bryce Harper's biggest weakness and concern is batting average. And you don't have to worry about that. He walks so much. His OBP was 393 last year. So there's a good chance he goes over 400. So I know a lot of people were questioning the pick. But he just gets a big boost in the format, as does Aaron Judge. You know, another guy. Uh, his batting average is not a weakness, but he's been 278, 284 the last two years. So when you're looking at a first-round pick, you obviously would like to get someone over 300. And with Judge, with the 15% walk rate that he usually has, uh, he gets a big boost. So definitely makes sense there to take Judge that high. I remember last year I debated Judge. Actually, I think he went in the second round last year. And uh, I took J.D. Martinez over him. Uh, and obviously that worked out but in this draft for this year you see judge go over jd martinez right so turner goes seven jd martinez goes eight scherzer the first pitcher off the board at nine arenado 10 bregman 11 ronald Acuna 12 jacob Degrom 13 Giancarlo stanton 14 and manny machado 15 i don't think there's any major surprises here i guess could i say bregman over Acuna or bregman over stanton is a surprise adam or an obp league they're about the same no, I mean, I think, you know, people are pretty high on Bregman, and obviously he's healthy now in the spring. He's already played a couple games. I think the concern with him was, you know, the elbow surgery, but obviously looks fine. He's been playing. His OBP last year was close to 400, so uh, that could have been a deciding factor there for, for that team to take Bregman uh, over those guys. So now drafts start to get interesting in round two. So Paul Goldschmidt's the first pick that goes. He goes with Manny Machado. The next team takes Jared Cole to pair up with Stanton. The next team takes Story, then Altuve, then Baez. We talked about Baez yesterday. You think he might be a little early to go in this format? I, I don't know. I thought maybe some teams would pass on him. I thought there was a shot. Maybe he would fall a little further just because his OBP is not good. But he just does everything else very well and has the multiple position eligibility. So maybe someone's looking at like, okay, yeah, his OBP is not ideal, but uh, the contribution in the other 40 categories, especially the stolen bases, which are very difficult to find as you go further in the draft, 
Uh, but in a year where he had a tremendous year, his OBP was 326. Again, it's not a killer, but you would ideally like something better than that from someone you're taking in round two. Absolutely. All right, the next pick is Freddie Freeman. Then the team that takes Scherzer takes Chris Sale. So let's just talk about that for a second as we move down the second round. Scherzer, Sale beginning. Does that put you behind the eight ball with offense, or do you like the aggressiveness of those picks? Um, it's not something I would do, but I'm okay with it. Looking at some of the bats that are on the board, uh, I, I see the reason for it. I mean, obviously, there are people who are scared of Chris Sale right now because of the injury late last year. But when he was on the mound, he was still dominant. So if these two guys do pan out, man, uh, it's a heck of a rotation to start. And, uh, you know, if you feel confident that you can find some bats, uh, it can work. All right, the next pick is Whit Merrifield, and then the run on the pitchers goes. It's Verlander goes, then Nola, then Kluber, then Rice Hoskins, then Blake Snell. So now it's up to you, and a name that hasn't been mentioned yet is Francisco Lindor. And you end up taking Lindor, which I have to say, I think it's a bold but brilliant move here, Adam. This guy's a top three pick when healthy. Maybe people are overreacting. I think there are people who are talking about taking him at 11, 12, 13, and you're getting him at pick 29. Yeah, I was stunned he was there. And that's why I always say you really can't plan out a draft because you can sit there and plot all you want. I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to take two pitchers. I never thought Lindor was going to be there. Uh, as I started to see him slip, I'm like, is he really going to make it? So uh, I felt like it was an easy call. I mean, he's going in the late first round of some other drafts. I saw him in the great fantasy baseball invitational. He went 13. I took judge clay link took him at 13. So he's been going pretty early in, in every drafts, even though he's fallen. And, um, you know, even if he doesn't start the year for the first couple of weeks, they have unlimited DL spots. I can replace him. Even if he doesn't run a lot early in the year, who cares? I mean, I have, Bats are ready to get me some steals, and I think I addressed the stolen base category pretty good in this league. So even if he goes to 10 to 15, I don't think it's a big deal. So uh, I know there's some risk with calf injuries, as we saw with Josh Donaldson, but Donaldson is older. He plays on turf. Lindor is younger. Uh, they seems like they caught it early on. He was taking ground balls on his knees. He's been hitting in the cages. So uh, to me, it was an easy call. I get a potential top five pick in round two. I don't yeah. even think there was a debate. Well, let me give you two players, okay? I'll just give you two players. One, had he made it to you, had Rice Hoskins made it to you? No, I would not have taken him. Okay, fair Over enough. Door. And then the other, then did you debate Rizzo or was there just no, no debate? I don't even want Rizzo. No, no debate. Okay. Easy All call. Right. Easy call. There we go. All right, so the next pick by Rudy Gamble is Trevor Bauer. I guess my question to you is, does Rudy stake you there with Bauer? Would you have taken Bauer over Carrasco? Because you take Carrasco with the second pick of the third round. Yeah, I would have taken Bauer, and that's what I had to look at. I said, okay, if I let Lindor slip, my guess is Rudy would take him, and I, I couldn't do that there. And then I said, all right, you know what? Even if he takes two pitchers, I should get one. I didn't think he would take two pitchers. I knew he would take one. Uh, I wanted it to be Bauer, but I'm fine with Carrasco's. All right, so round three begins with Juan Soto, and then you do take Carrasco. Then there's Rizzo, Walker Bueller, Cody Bellinger, Noah Syndergaard, Andrew Benintendi, Joey Votto. I know that sounds early, but it's an OBP league. Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, Anthony Rendon, and here is Team 12 takes Luis Severino, who we just got news last night, Adam. This guy's going to be shut down for a few weeks at the 12th pick of the third round. Is that too soon on Severino there? I think it is because, yeah, the news was encouraging considering all of the possible outcomes. 
he'll be shut down for two weeks, then given a cortisone shot. Either way, he's not starting the year. Maybe he returns mid-April, late April. Maybe he has a setback. So at least there was no structural damage, but there was inflammation. So I cannot invest a third-round pick, uh, especially my SB1 on a guy that I know already has an issue to begin the year. And maybe he comes back and is fine, and then it flares up again, has to go on the DL again. So I, I wouldn't do it. All right, I'm just going to bring up a name here. Starling Marte goes as the 13th pick in the third round, where I've seen him go either in the late second or early third round because you can't find speed. Do you think people devalue to him because of the OBP? Uh, I'm not sure if that was it. Uh, obviously, the, the steals are, are elite. Uh, you know, he came back from the PD suspension a couple years ago, had 33 steals last year. I mean, the OBP's 327, uh, which is not great, but his career mark is 341, which is fi- is average, is fine in this league. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, there were some pretty good picks going before him too. So, And then pitchers got pushed up just a little bit. So I'm assuming that was the case, is that maybe some people were looking at the OBP and felt like, okay, with the OBP being you know, average to below average and not elite power, maybe they felt it wasn't enough to get the steals there. Fair enough. All right. Out. Mondesi goes next, and then James Paxton. Let's take a look at round four. Begins with Xander Bogarts, and then Victor Robles goes as the second pick in round four. Look, I, I like Robles. I took him in, in, in my, the Beat Doctor Roto League. Are we asking a bit much for this guy to be a fourth-round pick in Tout Wars at this point, Adam? Yeah, I think this is definitely early. Uh, obviously, the speed's going to be there, but there's the possibility he hits eighth. Maybe he moves up and does well. So you're really overpaying here for the speed. I was surprised to see him go there, especially in the previous round when the team took Adalberto Mondesi, where you're going to get a lot of speed. So I uh, definitely felt like it was early for Robles there. He's been going in the sixth round, seventh round of a lot of 15-team leagues. So I know this is the case on picking on the end, and if you really are high on Victor Robles and believe in him, then you felt like, okay, he's not going to make it back. I think he would have made it back. Yeah, but. I think he would have made it back too, but, you know, I, I get it. All right, so then Matt Carpenter goes, Patrick Corbin, Mike Clevenger, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Strasburg, Chris Davis, Tommy Pham. So here we are, toward, and the Team 5 in the fourth round takes JT Real Muto. What's your thoughts on the catch? I know you don't like taking catchers too soon, but Real Muto goes here, and then about five picks later, Rudy takes Gary Sanchez as the first pick of the fifth round. Do you like what those guys did there? Is it too, or is it too aggressive? I mean, they're appropriately priced. It's just something that I don't like to do. Uh, you know, Real Muto, I think, is obviously a more in average leagues. I think he's a little bit better. His OBP last year was 340. His career mark is 327. So I think the average is where he gets a boost because you're getting 500 at-bats of a 275, 280 average, and maybe more this year in Philadelphia. So I think in OBP, it really doesn't help Real Muto at all. Sanchez obviously has elite power and uh, in a great lineup. Obviously, last year was a disaster from an average perspective. He was uh, didn't kill you as much in OBP. It wasn't good. He was 291. Uh, his career OBP is 333. He does draw a walk, so... The problem is just with the catchers is you're passing up some good players and you're praying that these guys can get 500 at-bats because it's a position that's very difficult to stay healthy. Uh, You kind of wear down late in the year. 
that you get foul tips. So there's games they're playing that they're not 100%. They took a foul tip in the hand, and their hand is numb, and they're trying to hit, and they're not effective. So that's the thing that I don't like about investing in a catcher in the first round, uh, early rounds, fourth, fifth round, because you need so many things to go right just in order for them to get 500, 550 at-bats. And I understand the position is garbage, and losing Salvador Perez doesn't help, but I just don't like taking them. They really have to fall where it's like, okay, this is too much of a value to pass up, which almost happened to me in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, but uh, it's just not something I would do. All right, Ozzy Albies goes next, then George Springer. So now it's your turn. Now, I know you like Puig. I know you like Eugenio Suarez. Were you hoping, did you consider both of them there, or were you hoping to get Suarez on the way back? Yeah, I considered Suarez, you know, really good player, had a good year last year. Uh, there was really no one on the board here that that I loved. Obviously, I wasn't taking another picture. Uh, Gene Segura was considered, but I already had a shortstop, and I felt I needed a little bit more power from that spot. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero was usually off the board, but you know I didn't want to risk it in case they keep him down longer. Lorenzo Cain just doesn't have enough power. So it was really a position where there was no one that I really wasn't enthralled with. Uh, but I do like Puig, and I knew he wouldn't make it back. And, you know, going to Cincinnati, I think he plays every day. Should, should put up 30 home runs. He can steal bases. He's 28. He's already talked about how, you know, he kind of never really worked hard in L.A. And, you know, he plans to this year and obviously has to prove himself because he's going for a contract. And, you know, he played in 125 games last year, had 23 homers and 15 steals. Uh, we saw two years ago, 28 homers, 15 steals. So... Uh, this is a guy that is capable of having a, a monster season and contributing in the stolen base category. And I love the Reds lineup of what they've done. And that's one of the best hitters parks. So Dodgers Stadium wasn't as ba bad for home runs as people think, but it's a huge upgrade. And obviously uh, he's playing for money. All right. Round five, I think, was very interesting. So Rudy takes Suarez and Sanchez. And so far, I think Rudy has a very good draft going on as well. Very good player. Now you have a pick here, so I'll lay it out for the people listening. Your choices at pitcher are Zach Reinke, Jose Berrios, maybe Clayton Kershaw if you're willing. You can get any closer you want. Hitters, there's Jean Segura, there's Lorenzo Cain, there's Gleyber Torres, there's Daniel Murphy, there's Vlad Guerrero. I'm trying to sit here and think what would I have done in this spot. Man, I think it's tough, Adam. I, I, I'd be looking at... Wow. See, you can't. I wouldn't take Segura because you already had Lindor, so he'd be out. I'm not taking a closer here. I think I'm going to look at Betios or Guerrero, but it's a tough call. I, I may go Vlad Guerrero here just, you know, because that's the Dr. Roto in me, the visionary pick, but why did you go Murphy? He's in Coors Field, man. This guy is one of the top hitters in the game, and he came back slowly from the knee injury last year, but finished strong. He had 12 homers in 91 games, batted 299. He's always been a guy that's uh, over 300, and this is OBP. But his OBP could be 370, 380 playing at Coors Field. The, the gaps there in the outfield, like it's perfectly suited for him. Uh, he's going to also get multiple position eligibility. He's eligible at second now. He's, he's going to play first for the Rockies. I just so let this, me ask you this. If this wasn't OBP, would you still have taken him? There? Yeah, I think okay. he, I think this is where he's uh, appropriately slotted. I mean, at Coors Field, I mean, this guy can hit 310, 320, 330. I mean, he had 347 in 2016, 322 in 2017. I think the knee is fine because he finished the year. Uh, he's going to play first base, which should obviously, 
you know, keep it light defensively. He doesn't have to move as much. So I just think Coors Field, uh, everyone gets a bump at Coors Field. And why wouldn't Daniel Murphy get it? And I don't need elite power from him. Just give me the runs, the RBIs, the OBP. Uh, and, you know, he could hit 25 home runs in that part. Did you think Did you think about Guerrero or did you think it was too soon? No, I mean, I thought about him. That's about – he actually goes pretty earlier. So this is this is as late as I've seen him fall in a draft this year. But uh, I, I went with the – Murphy in Coors Field. I know what Murphy's going to do in Coors Field, man. I mean, he he's going to crush. That's a good lineup. It's just I don't understand why more people are not looking at Murphy and seeing what he can do in Coors Field. Like, we bump everyone else up. Why are we not doing it with Murphy, who is a no. proven elite hitter? Yeah, no, no, he's a, he's a proven. I, I guess maybe people have that, like, the, the injury after effect. I think you're right. No, no, I, I'm... I'm a Murphy. I'm a, I'm a Daniel Murphy fan. I think it's a great pick. All right, we'll talk more about Adams Tout Wars team, but we're going to take a little break. When we come back. We have Jeff Burgesson talking about the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But in our third segment, we'll get back to the Tout Wars, of course. So I'm Dr. Roto. He's Adam Ronas for Scout Fantasy Sports, and we'll be back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. Game time decisions. If you're an adult and you're using your birthday as an excuse to drink for a week or a month, then you're probably just an alcoholic. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of what I told George on the show. It's something I deal with on a a yearly basis. Yes. The the month of partying. You you never know what we're going to talk. First, we got Yang swimmers. This is great. This is absolutely great. It's optimistic hour with uh, with Marenzi. Yeah. Yeah. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All right, we're back. Scout Fantasy Sports here. Dr. Roto with you. The NFL Scouting Combine has come and gone with the 2019 NFL Draft just around the corner. For serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. 
Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. All right, my favorite segment of the week, talking to my friend Jeff Burgesson from FantasyGolfInsider.com. Jeff, I'm ready to win money this week. It was a bloodbath last week, my friend. It was ugly, and it, and it usually is at Honda. So I'm excited because this is a great tournament, and we got a great stretch of golf coming up now in the next few weeks. All right, I don't like Hondas. I don't drive Hondas. I won't be near a Honda. I'm just throwing that out there for you, Jeff. I'm moving on. But you're right. It is a very good stretch of golf. It all begins with Rory, Rose, Fowler, Kepgood, Day up top. I think I'm in on Rory. I always like Jason Day. But Jason Day, I mean... Are you with me on Day and Rory, or am I missing somebody else up here? I love Rory. Uh, we've talked about Rory every event he's played this year, um, and he's going to win. He's been so close. Uh, this could be the week because he won here last year. His game sets up nicely for the course. Um, he's going to win. It's just a matter of when. So I do have plenty of exposure to Rory this week. Am I, am I wrong for being off Justin Rose? Because I, I know I can't get them both in my lineup. I mean, I have to pick one or the other, don't I? Or do I just have, if I have 20 lineups, do I have 10 with Rory and five with Rose? The tough part is Rory has been lightly owned uh, earlier this season. He's been under 10% in a lot of GPPs. This week, that won't be the case. He's going to be much more popular. So if you want to be overweight, you're going to have to own him at about 30 or 40 or even 50%. Uh, so for that reason, I think... You probably have to make a choice between him or Rose. Um, my choice is Rory, but it's razor thin. I mean, Justin Rose is the number one player in the world. He's fantastic. Uh, so it's just it's just real close. All right. Ricky Fowler and Brooks Kepka were two guys I probably should have been on last week, but I wasn't. Kepka, especially, I remember you said to fade him, and I couldn't have agreed with you more. I'm not throwing you out under the bus there because I agreed with you. Do we want to look at them this week? Yeah, I, I think you can. Um, personally, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go Rory and then drop down to DeChambeau and Matsuyama a little bit further just because we have to make a decision up top. Uh, Brooks is a tough one to figure out. I mean, we talked about this last week. Um, you just don't know when he's going to be motivated. He's a great player, fantastic talent, but he just sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't. He hasn't had great success at Bay Hill before. But he didn't have great success at Honda either. So um, he's, he's a wild card at 10,200. I'm okay with him, but I'm just choosing to go another way. All right, let's talk about guys who are very good golfers who maybe not be playing at their peak right now. Tommy Fleetwood is a terrific golfer, but he just seems to be a little off. Is this a week I want to get on the Fleetwood bandwagon? I think so. I'm going to own him. That price is really cheap. It's quite a big discount compared to the real top-tier guys. I like that range, that whole range in that low 9K range. I think you got a bunch of guys who are capable of winning the tournament, Tommy being one of them. He has been, he's been okay this year. He hasn't been great, but um, I, he's played well here in the past, and, and I think it's a good value at 9,100. Jeff, I have zero shares right now in the lineups that I've made up of Patrick Reed, but do I, do I compare this course with the Masters at all? And if so, am I making a big blunder by not putting Reed on any of my lineups? You know, it's not. It wouldn't take a whole big investment because I think he's going to be lightly owned at eighty nine hundred. So if you want to own him on 
you know, 15, 20% of your teams and get exposure. I always like Patrick Reed. I think he's a great, great player. Uh, that's a cheap price, low ownership. I think it's a decent time to uh, own some shares this week. All right, fair enough. Daniel Berger, I think a lot of people expected him to have a good week last week. It really wasn't so good, especially after he had that great Sunday night, Sunday round in Puerto Rico. Uh, only played here once, but he played pretty well here. Is he sneaky this week? You know, his ownership won't be very high. I just like the players around him a whole lot better. He has been, he was good in Puerto Rico, but that field was just awful. Um, and, you know, I just think that price is probably a little bit hefty for where he's at right now. So I'd much rather pivot off of him onto Charles Howell or Keegan Bradley or Lucas Glover in that same range. All right, one name you didn't mention is Henrik Stenson, who there are times we see Henrik Stenson in the 10,000s, but he's playing some really crappy golf right now. But I look at a guy like Stenson, and I just feel, Jeff, I need to own a piece of him because at any given moment, he could put, he remembers he's Henrik Stenson and could win this tournament. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, Doc. I'm so torn on him. I've heard other people say they're, they're going with him this week, so I don't even think his ownership's going to be that low. His irons are phenomenal, which is what it takes to win uh, this week at Bay Hill. But he's been so bad lately, and he hasn't shown any signs. Um, so I don't own him myself this week, and I don't. I, I, I wouldn't go with him this week. All right, what about Luke List? I mean, he's done well here the past two years, but uh, I haven't heard his name much. Do we like him at all this week? Well, I can tell you he'll either finish top ten or miss the cut. Does that help you? Yeah, because that's a Boomer Plus GPP play. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, I'll put him on my team with Patrick Reed, and I'll maybe get lucky. <laughs> that's right. I mean, he's a, he can be really great, but he can be really terrible, and he was really terrible last week. Um, he's played well here in the past, so I think he could pop. Yeah, you, like you said, a good GPP option. Definitely wouldn't use him for cash games, but certainly he's got a lot of upside. All right, let me give you some guys in this mid-7,000 range. Um, Byung-Hun Ahn, uh, Zach Johnson, Adam Hadwin, Cameron Champ. I, I tend to like Ahn, but, I mean, he's a cra- I think I may be a better putter than he is. Uh, anybody in this range that you like? Uh, yeah, I do like Ahn. Uh, he's fr- you know, he lives around Orlando area, and he's actually from there. Uh, not originally, but he grew up in the area. So he's used to putting on Bermuda greens. His putting is atrocious, but... He's a little bit better on Bermuda than Poa, which is which he's been on the last couple of months for the most part. Phenomenal ball striker has had some success here in the past. I think that's a good price, so I like him at seventy five hundred. Uh, you mentioned like a Cameron Champ, total wild card. No one's going to own him. Seventy six hundred, tons of talent. Um, hasn't been playing very well. I'm willing to own a few shares, but not go crazy on him. And then also in this area, Rafa Cabrera-Bayo just looks blatantly mispriced at 7500 Uh He should be in the low eights probably for as good as he is. So I think he's going to be extremely popular but very tough to get away from. All right, I'm going to give you a weird name here. Matt Every has won this tournament twice. I mean, he's not a very good player, but he has played well in the last month. Do I want to put him on a GPP team and see where the flyer takes me? Yeah, I think you could have a little bit of exposure. He has been playing well and has shown signs this year. Now, he, he won this event in, in like one of the biggest aberrations of golf of all time, back-to-back years, 2014, 2015. And in that time, he'd made a very small percentage of cuts on tour. 
since then here he's missed two cuts and a t62 so it's yeah high high variance with him i i would own a couple shares if you want to take a shot on him all right i'm going to give you a name of a guy you like and a guy that has killed me in the past hot tongue lee i know you like and matthew fitzpatrick i've always liked but the guy literally just kills me could I throw the, these guys in a GPP team and feel good about it, or would you just feel murky about it? Um, I like Tong. I think, you know, what he's done in the past is tough to tell because he's super young, Doc. I think he's like 22 or 23 years old. So we've seen him when he was like 20 or 21 years old. He's been awfully good over the past six months. I mean, really good. Uh, he looked fine in Mexico, a couple blow-up holes away from a top 10. He finished T19. I like him a lot. He's got a ton of upside. The, the course setup for him probably isn't the greatest uh, because it's more of an accuracy course and there's tons of trouble and he gets a little wild, but he can score massively on par fours. So I, um, I do have shares of him, uh, definitely. Matthew Fitzpatrick, I'm okay on, but I, I own too many other guys in this range that I, I don't have much exposure to him at all. All right, let's drop down to the low 7,000s, high 6,000s here. Uh, Barn Rat uh, was cut last year, but he has two T6s recently at this tournament. And I just find, like, when he's on, he's a pretty darn good golfer. Any interest in him? I do. I have a little bit of interest. Uh, that Sunday round in Mexico, his, his ball striking was really exceptional. His approach game was spot on. And I thought we might get a little bit better performance last week from him, but we did not. Uh, putting on Bermuda, he's good. So I think he think he does have some upside. I I have some shares on him this week. All right, let me talk to you about Charlie Hoffman, who's had two good results here the past two years, but he hasn't been playing well at all. Is this where you take a shot on a guy who's going to be three percent owned and you say course horse and see what we could do? Uh, I'm out. I, I I'm not going to mess with Charlie. This he's been so terrible. He's shown no signs. I'd rather take a shot on other guys with a lot more talent in that 7K range, even like a Thornbjorn Olison at 7,100. Just a lot more talent than Charlie, and he'll be about the same 2 or 3% owned. All right, we're talking to Jeff Bergson from FantasyGolfInsider.com, an outstanding site if you want to win in PGA DFS. Now, Jeff, our boy Sun J.M. just did us in last week. Uh, I mean, at what time there? You probably thought you were going to be my next rich friend. Can he <laughs> right. come back this week and do a good job? Yeah, I think he can. He's, he's another young player who's new to the tour, so we're going to have bats. We're going to have dynamic rounds. And if he can put a few together, then, then it's going to be a good result. And we've seen that happen. But we're also going to have, you know, up toward the top of the leaderboard and then just fall through the floor the next day. It's all going to be part of owning him. But good GPP play, good scorer, good ball striker. Um, I own him, and I probably will own him for, you know, throughout the year. Jeff, I've heard a lot about Nate Lashley this week, but I also see Joaquin Neiman there at that price. There's a lot of good guys at the 6900. Graham McDowell, there's Gooch, there's Streelman. Any names in that range that you like? Yeah, so Gooch just withdrew not long ago today, so be sure not to have him in any of your lineups. Um, Graham McDowell was a popular name last week, right? And I faded him, strategic fading, since I thought he'd be overheated. Now that everyone's jumping off, I'm going to own some shares because I think his ownership will be sliced in half this week. He's from the area. He lives in Florida. Uh, has had some success here in the past. So I'm just going to use some game theory and strategy and own some of him this week just in case. Uh, Lashley, I'm going to strategically fade this week. 
because he has been talked up all over the place. And if he's going to be owned by, I don't know, 15% of the field, I'm happy to go elsewhere in the 6K range. All right, Jeff, as we move down the, the, the thing, when, when I see an outlier, like a guy named Sam Horsefield, who I've never seen in my life, and I see T14 at, at this course, is that something where a guy just got lucky, or is this a guy that has some skill that I need to, be, I need to know about? Uh, he's, been, he's been okay on the Euro Tour, not great this year. Um, he, yeah, the T14 was, is kind of strange for him. If you wanted to take a shot on him, no one's going to own him. You can own a, you know, four or five percent and take a shot. I don't personally have any shares this week because I've watched him on the Euro Tour and he hasn't been all that good. So it's tough to tell, and especially it's tough to tell with these Euro guys who come over who rarely play on the PGA Tour exactly what you're going to get on U.S. courses in really a lot tougher fields. So I'm going to just. I'll change this up on you here for a second. If I want to go with a Stars and Scrubs type of team where I'm putting in four guys maybe in that $9,000 range, maybe I'm getting Fleetwood and Reed and Molinari, I have to get into that low 6,000 range, and there's just a bunch of names. How do you find a name? How, how do you know from like a Justin Sue to an Anders Albertson to a Bronson Burgoon to a Victor Hovland? How do you randomly pick a guy, or is that just a dumb strategy? You know, I would personally go with three guys from that low 9K range and then keep the remaining three in the low seven. I think you're just depleting your roster too much trying to get that fourth 9K guy in there and then trying to hope on two of the six low 6K guys. Very few of these guys, even with the reduced field this week, are going to make the cut, and trying to pick them is very difficult. When I am trying to pick these guys, I'm going off usually talent, um, maybe guys who haven't had a lot of success recently, like a Joel Damon is at 6,300. You, you know, his, his missed cut streak could continue, but he could revert to his, the form that he had last year. Uh, generally, I look at those type of guys who have a lot of upside if you're taking a shot. But if it's, you know, when we're talking roster composition, I like not to have a whole ton of exposure to the 6K range, and especially not like multiple roster spots to it. All right, so let's get, give me a couple of guys up. Um, let's see, give me a fade this week, Jeff. Who is a guy that people are going to be on that you're fading? Ooh, um, let's see here. Probably, uh, probably Jason Day, actually, if we're looking in the upper range. I don't have any Jason Day exposure at the time. It's not that I don't like him that much. It's just that I'm going with other options, and I think he's going to be kind of popular. Who's a guy that's under-owned that people don't know about that might have a really good weekend? If you, you know, there's a couple guys in the 7K range. Like a guy like Kevin Kisner is intriguing to me, a guy who usually plays well in the South on Bermuda Greens. He took runner-up here a couple of years ago, has been in the 20s the last few times out. We know he can play, you know, we know at the talent level we get with him. Uh, and I think he's kind of intriguing. And he's right next to Kevin Na, who has had a lot of success here in the past. They're 7,200. It wouldn't take a huge investment, and they're rather cheap. So I kind of, I kind of like going that direction. All right, who's, who's going to win this? Who's going to win this tournament, Jeff? Well, Rory's going to win one of these weeks, but that doesn't do you much because he's about five or six to one this week. Um, I'll say Hideki Matsuyama, and you could get him probably at 25 to one. Um, and if you want a real long shot, I, we talked about Benny Ann. Uh, he, you could get him probably at 75 or 80. To, oh, no, wait a minute. He'd probably be 60 to 1, I would say. 
I can live with 60 to 1. I'm yeah, not being greedy. It's worth a shot for a few bucks. Let me give you one more name before I let you go. Matt Wallace played pretty well at Honda last week. Is there something to his game that you like? Yeah, uh, he's a real talented Euro guy, and he won't be highly owned, so I do have exposure to him. Uh, tough to tell exactly what he's going to do, but he did look pretty good last week, so that's a good sign because I like guys who played last week who look good and have some momentum coming into this week. And also like a guy like Lucas Glover, you know, played real well last week. I was high on him. I like that momentum coming into this week. I was just going to ask you that. We only have about less than a minute. Do you like a guy? I worry that a guy he played well, maybe it's hard to follow up. You don't think that way. You think he can ride that wave. I do. We're still on Bermuda greens. We're kind of in the, you know, obviously still in Florida. So um, I, I like the fact that they played last week and, and if they had some success, yes. All right. I wish you success this weekend, my friend. Good luck. Same to you, Doc. We'll talk to you later. All right, you got it. Jeff Burgesson, FantasyGolfInsider.com. It's an outstanding site. I highly recommend it. And if you want to win big, check it out. And I know that I need to win this week because uh, I could use the cash to pay for some summer camp for my kids. That's all I'm saying. All right, I promise you this. When we come back, though, we're going to go back to Tout Wars. It'll be me and Adam Ronas talking fantasy baseball. And remember, you want to win, go to ScoutFantasySports.com. Promo code BATS50. BATS50 will give you two months at 50% off. Check it out right there. All right, Scout Fantasy Sports, back right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies, mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally... I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. Now listen, if you just copy and paste and use what the optimizer is giving you the lineup, and you play head-to-head, you'll win more often than not. Unless you're playing where I'll just blindly take the best NBA lineup they have, and I'll play it head-to-head, and I'll generally win, except if I'm playing against somebody that has it. Sometimes, like, we're tied. I'm like, yeah, this dude did the same thing. But you can't just copy and paste. You've got to be like, all right, I like this, but I'm going to add that. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. Hey, swing for the fences this daily fantasy baseball season with DailyRoto.com. If you're playing MLB, DFS on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you hit your first home run as the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package is now live. Lineup alerts and weather updates covered. Fantasy projections covered. 
Lineup optimizers to compete with the pros covered there too. That's right. Save 10% on winning MLB DFS advice with an early bird special using promo code FNTSY. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto Premium Package at dailyroto.com. Just use the promo code FNTSY and get your 10% early bird discount today. All right, we're heading back to the draft board and Adam's Towers draft last night. So I'm going to get to round six here, Adam. And I know you like Andrew McCutcheon, so it kind of surprised me that you took Eddie Rosario over him. Is it that you just like Eddie more, or maybe you had shares of McCutcheon on other teams? Why did you choose one over the other? I think Rosario has more upside. I think McCutcheon, to me, is a value in the ninth, 10th round. I don't love him in this spot. Uh, obviously, he's a great OBP guy, so that pushes him up the board. And we don't know where he's going to hit yet. It could be leadoff. So I just think McCutcheon is an undervalued veteran. Obviously, he's not here because of uh, the OBP boost. But it's not. I don't think McCutcheon has a 3,100 season in him. I think Eddie Rosario does. And Rosario also can steal some bases. He had eight last year, nine the year before. I love the Twins lineup. I don't think we've seen the best of Rosario yet. I think there's a, a 3,100 bat here. He's 27 years old. Uh, last season, his uh, season got cut short a little bit due to injury, uh, but I, I think he's in a great spot this year. All right, in round five, Edwin Diaz went, and then Blake Trinan went. In round six, Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell went. So here it is, the beginning of round seven. Rudy takes Brad, Mr. Hand. You then take Roberto Osuna. Did you want the closer here? Did you feel like, look, I better take a guy here. He's the last really good one on the board. I'm not going to get him in the next round. What were your thoughts on taking Ozuna in round seven? It was just of looking at the board and what was there. Nothing really stood out. And I plan was to get at least one good closer, so I really don't have to worry about the position later on. So... I felt like, okay, it looks like some of the closers are going to start to go. They won't make it back. So let me take at least one good one here uh, just because I didn't really like anything else on the board. So I considered Nelson Cruz. Uh, didn't think that I had to take him there. So I just said, let me get uh, a closer who I think is one of the top ones on a good team that's going to get a lot of save opportunities. All right, round eight, you took one of my favorite players, Matt Olson, who I just think, I, I think there's 45 home runs in that bat. I don't know if we'll ever see it, but I know that he's capable of it. I thought that was a real good pick. And round nine, you went for your second pitcher. So I know Rudy takes Robbie Ray. I know you hate Robbie Ray. Did you think about Bieber or Hendricks or, I know you don't like Fulton Nevich. Did you think about any other pitcher there instead of the guy you picked, Luis Castillo? No, not a, not those guys. Uh, maybe Charlie Morton, but that's about it. So Castillo had a really good second half. Uh, he's got a really good changeup. He's only 26 years old. I know he disappointed last year, uh, but he really turned it around in the second half, and that's what I like to see. I know it's a tough ballpark to pitch in, so that's the one concern he sees. You know, he was pretty good on the home runs two years ago, gave up some more last year, but he finished with a 1-2-2 whip, and uh, that was pretty good considering. Uh, he doesn't give up that many fly balls. So I just think he made an adjustment there in the second half that worked. Uh, throws 95-96. So, uh, you know, a lot of pitchers in this range have risk, but I think Castillo has a, a high ceiling. Knowing you as I do, I think you have to be pretty happy with your 10th route pick. You got a guy you, I know you like, Cole Hamels, this year. I hate J.A. Happ. I hate Cody Allen. There are some guys that were taken around there that I don't like. I think Hamels should have a very decent year. 
Yeah, he was excellent when he came over to the Cubs last year. Uh, he was terrible in Texas, and, you know, that happens. It was a tough park to pitch in. The team was terrible. Obviously, there was uh, increased motivation once you get traded to the Cubs uh, and a team there uh, in contention uh, to win a division. And, you know, he's been a workhorse, and, you know, he's not flashy, but uh, just give me 180, 185 innings, and I think he can do that. He threw 190 and two-thirds last year. He's been a workhorse. He was over 200 year, uh, innings almost every year for about six, seven straight years and, you know, still has a pretty good strikeout rate. I think you'll see the home runs diminish, obviously, uh, going to Wrigley Field, although it is a tough division. There's some good offenses in there, but uh, he just improved uh, as he came over to the National League, uh, and uh, I still think there's something left here. So round 11, I'm just going to give you some names. Did you get sniped by Rudy with Ahmed Rosario? And then did you think about Tim Anderson there? Did you think, I mean, you took Wilson Contreras. Who else, what other players did you think about Buxton? What other players went through your mind at that 11th pick there? Yeah, Buxton and Piscotty were the two guys. I think Piscotty was a bargain in this league. He went end of round 11. I'm not sure why. Uh, I think the A's are still a good offense, and Piscotty had the issue with his mom dying last year. The Cardinals did a nice thing by trading him to Oakland to allow him to be close to his mom before she passed away. And I don't care who you are. It's going to affect you, especially a game of baseball where it's so mental. And you could see it. He got off to a slow start, but he tore it up in the second half. So I felt like he was one of the better values in this draft, so I considered him. But ultimately, I said, okay, you know what? The catcher pool is disastrous. I'm not reaching on one here. Contreras is off to a good start in the spring. Obviously, he had a bad year last year. He was definitely overdrafted. It's a good Cubs lineup. I do think uh, he needs to hit more fly balls. But, you know, if he can just, you know, come close to what he did two years ago, uh, he's really going to help me in that spot because uh, he does get on base. That's a big – he had a 356 OBP two years ago. To get that from your catcher – your first one around 11, it's a big advantage. He had 21 and 74 two years ago. Obviously, last year he really fell off a little bit. So I just need him to be kind of in between the two years. Uh, give me 16 homers, 60 RBIs, and a 340, 345 OVP. I'm going to be fine with that. Uh, and what it does, it allows me now to say, F the number two spot at catcher. I don't have to worry about it. And you see a lot of guys in round 16, round 17, taking garbage catchers who are going to kill your OBP. I don't have to worry about that because I got one catcher in the bank. All right. So let's, it's interesting when you, when you work with somebody as much as you and I have, I kind of look at your picks and they're guys I know you like and you jumped at and guys I know you were thrilled about getting. And then every once in a while, there's a guy I'll be like, really? Ronis did that? And I think your 12th pick, Eric Hosmer, is that guy. I've never known you to be a Hosmer fan. Why take him there? Or did you just think his, he was just too good to pass up? Yeah, I just think the Padres lineup is much improved. And, and you know, I didn't like him last year. I thought he was a complete bust. But this is a guy that... Uh, can really get a high OBP. Two years ago, he was 385. Last year, it was just, you know, bad. And maybe there was pressure with the contract and a bad team context. But you had Manny Machado. Tatis uh, eventually could come up. They have a lot in the outfield. So uh, uh, he's never going to be a big power guy. We know that. But I just think he'll have a solid OBP. And I think the counting stats will improve with this lineup. So I'm putting him in there at my, my corner infield spot. All right, round 13. You and I have talked about this guy before. I, we both think Domingo Santana is going to be onto something good this year. 
I think that might be one of your sneakier picks. Did you take him earlier than you thought you needed to, or did you just think he wasn't going to make his way back to you? No, I just looked at this draft, and the ADPs were no one cared. So you can't worry about that. I knew. I said, all right, if I let this guy go, I know he's not going to make it back. So I almost took him in round 12. So I said, you know what? I can't play around any more, uh, longer. Uh, this guy's going to get the opportunity to play every day. You know, last year he just was in a bad spot. You know, it looked like he was going to be an everyday player, and then Milwaukee goes out and get Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain, and then you got nowhere to play. And that's got to affect the guy mentally when you're not out there. You know, just two years ago, he had 30 homers, 15 steals. Now, he does strike out a ton, but he also walks. He had a 371 OBP two years ago, and uh, you know, I, I feel like he'll play every day. I, he needs to hit more balls in the air uh, to, to keep that power going, but he's got a good hard hit rate. He hits a lot of line drives. So I just think that in, in other drafts, too, he's more undervalued right now. I, I would think he's a name that starts to move up, but I couldn't worry about ADP here because – uh, I already saw some guys go well above their ADP. So I said, you know, I can't wait any longer. I got to get them. All right. Let's talk about rounds 14, 15, and 17. You pick three pitchers on really, really good teams. Jake Arrieta, Nathan Eovaldi, Colin Q on the Phillies and the Red Sox and the Astros. Was there a method to that there? Do you, I mean, I don't know if these are the greatest pitchers. I mean, McHugh could be special if he's, if he's on. And Eovaldi, I mean, who knows how many innings he can throw, but he's pretty good when he's there. Or did you say, look, if I'm going to take a risk, I want to risk it on guys who can get me some wins on good teams? No, I just thought they were, you know, good pitchers and, and appropriate in the spot. You know, I was kind of off Arietta because I looked at his second half and I said, damn, this is bad. But then I saw that he was pitching through a knee injury and – because he had a good first half. He had a 3-2-3 year race. Second half was 5-0-4. So this is one of those guys where I am paying attention to in the spring. And he had a really good outing the other day where he retired every batter. He's also pitching for a good team uh, that uh, improved the offense. So uh, that's why I took the shot on Arietta there. So this is a guy that has kind of been off my radar to now, you know what? Okay, now I see the reason why. He struggled in the second half. It was definitely the bad knee, and you could see it. Just look at the stats. It was a stark difference, and uh, I'm attributing it to the injury. Eovaldi, obviously, yeah, I don't know how many innings he's going to get me, but uh, he obviously showed uh, a period of dominance last year. So, you know, a lot of these pitchers now, we're not penciling in 170, 180. We're going to have to piece it together. You can pretty much look at almost every pitcher in these rounds. You're not getting 180 out of them, or it's unlikely. Uh, so Eovaldi did throw a combined 111 innings last year. If he gives me 140, 150, uh, close to what he did last year, uh, I'm going to be pretty happy with that. Uh, you know, we saw him throw very hard. He didn't walk anyone. So uh, obviously the Red Sox are still a good team. They might not be as good as they were last year, but they still have a, a very good offense. And uh, Eovaldi really showed something coming back from the surgery. All right. We see here Peter Alonzo went in round 15. He was the next pick after Eovaldi. Is that a genius pick or is that too early? I'm going to say it's a genius pick only because I kind of did something similar in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, but that was kind of a product of that draft was so difficult and there was no value that I felt like I kind of had to swing for the fences at some point. So, look, Alonso could hit. There's no doubt. He's got elite power. He's got to show that he can hit the breaking stuff. But I got to think that he is up with the team pretty quickly, if not to start the year. Obviously, Todd Frazier banked up right now. Jet Lowry banked up as well. 
But uh, if the Mets are serious, especially in this division, you got to put your best players out there. And Alonzo is shaky at first base from the limited time that I've seen him. I have seen him uh, make a couple mistakes and not scoop up ground uh, scoops, uh, one bounce throws from the shortstop that he should have gotten. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is you know these are rounds, especially if your base is solid where you can take a shot. He just didn't fit on my team. That's why I didn't take him. All right, I thought it was uh, interesting. We were talking about Miguel Sano. And he lasted till round 24, Adam. I think that, I, that that may be the steal pick of the draft. Well, it might be. The reason why I did it is we have unlimited DL spots, so I'm surprised someone didn't act sooner. I mean, Didi Gregorius won in the previous round. I'd rather have Sano than Didi. We know Didi's going to be out at least half the year. So it made sense. Like, Didi was on my radar, too, to take him. Uh, I was going to take in probably at least one, maybe two injured players because what is the risk? All I do is... Once the first waiver wire period runs, put him on the DL and add someone. And Sano is slated to be back in May. And obviously, since the news broke and Sano has been a disappointment, everyone's like, oh, F Sano, I don't want him. I'm tired of this. It's the same old story. <laughs> what am I risking around 24? So I'll just put him on the DL, hope that, you know, the nutritionist and in better shape works. And you got to think this has got to be eye-opening for him now. Uh, he obviously hurt the heel in a celebration in the Winter League, but there's still big power potential there. And especially in an OBP league, he plays better because he does walk. So uh, it was someone that I thought about for a few rounds. And I said, eh, maybe, maybe not. And then round 24, it's like, all right, I got to take him here. I mean, what's what's the, the loss there? Now, I did want uh, the two guys that Rudy took on the third, Anthony DiSclefani and Nico Goodrum. Goodrum was going to be my next pick, and then he took him. He has first and second base eligibility. He's probably going to play the outfield. He's a guy with a little pop and a little speed. So uh, I thought that was a nice value in round 25. I actually like the pick you made in round 22 when I was doing my fantasy uh, previews in a nutshell. I think Tyler White's in a really good spot on him. He's in a spot where he's going to play most every day. Evan Gaddis isn't going to play anymore. And, and White is going to play. He's got some power there. He's in a good lineup. What, could he go 250 with 2080 and, and you got him in round 22? I, I think you might like that. Yeah, he walks too, uh, you know, in 66 games last year. He had a 354 OBP, so we'll see if that can stick. But, yeah, a little pop. Astros are a good lineup, and he is going to get the chance to play quite a bit. So uh, it's another guy to probably, for now, I think he's my utility slot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like round 22 was a pretty good value to get in there in a very good lineup. I actually think there's some players here at the end of this draft. I like Scott Kingery. I think he just needs it to play. I think Daniel Palka. I mean, people, Josh Harrison. I thought there were some players that people got at the end of this draft that were usable and that are better than round 28, 29 players. Yeah, and that's always the case. And, you know, sometimes you look back and a lot of them don't work out, but there's always a few that pan out. You know, last year I was able to get Walker Bueller in these rounds and obviously. That worked out very well. So, yeah, you can get some uh, pretty useful players in these rounds. A lot of them are going to be cut in the first couple of weeks, but I think there's always a few that pan out and uh, exceed expectations. If you had to do it over again, what pick would you have changed? Um, honestly, I don't think I would have changed anything. Uh, I felt differently in the great fantasy baseball invitational. I think there were some picks I would change, but here... Nothing really stands out uh, for me. I think uh, it kind of worked out the way I planned it. I mean, I really, it was, it, I had to really wait on third base. It wasn't part of the plan. 
Uh, yeah, but Lamb in round 19, is nothing wrong with that. Right, and that's the way I looked at it. I kept looking. I'm like, all right, I kind of need a third baseman. You know, Eduardo Escobar was in play because he had the third shortstop eligibility. But I'm like, you know what? I have a pretty strong corner outfielder, I think, in Hosmer in this format. Uh, so I felt like, okay, I don't need to reach. And I was hoping Lamb would fall. Obviously, he's a guy that can hit 30 home runs he did two years ago. Even if he sits against lefties, I don't care. That'll obviously help his average in OBP. So, um, no, nothing really. Uh, I, honestly, I, there's nothing I really regret. Um, nah, because, uh, I mean, yeah, I was sniped on some picks, but nothing that was uh, make or break. So. Did, did Team 3 snipe you at all? Uh, I wouldn't call Springer a snipe because I, I'm not sure. I like the fact that he's running more, uh, and he had that ability in the minor leagues. Um no, not really. Uh, no, I don't really see anything that they did. Tyler Skaggs, that that was one. Skaggs, yeah, round 18. I was going to take Skaggs, and he took him. I almost took him, like, the round before. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, he sniped me on Tyler Skaggs, and uh, that's pretty that's much That's pretty good. It. Only to be snagged once by in round 18 by Tyler Skaggs. I think that's pretty successful, then. It's a good draft for us. Yeah, I think it's solid, and obviously uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, I'm usually always in contention in these leagues, and... Expect to be again. All right, real quick, who's coming up in hour number two? Got Todd Zola from Masters Ball. He was a part of the labor auction over the weekend, so we'll talk to him about how he put his team together in labor. All right, that's the Lord Zola with us next hour. All right, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Back tomorrow with Adam, but of course, stay here for hour number two. We'll be talking more fantasy baseball, more Tower Wars. We'll be back right after this.